a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the Dr. Evazon to my Panda Baba, it is John Campbell. That's our classic opening right there. That's what I switched want. it this time. I switched it. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. We, can, we, uh, we go both ways, as we often say. <laughs> Look, sometimes you got a Panda Bottom, sometimes you got an Evazon Top. That's just all. That's what you got to do. Think, yeah, I think that is how I see it with those two. Uh, oh yeah, it's hundred percent their relationship. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes, hello everybody. We're back in the magical world of Star Wars manga. Yeah, no, we have we've gone in every single direction in terms of how we wanted to cover these issues, and it turns out our default of do it issue by issue is just what we fall back well, on. Already, because we we. The, the, we talked about this last week a little bit, but it is the thing. We did the 97 special edition adaptations, and we were like, oh, man, there was not enough material. So we, uh, and, and 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 shame on us for short-sighting this, but we thought, well, that's just kind of what these are going to be. But this has really surprised us in being a really original, captivating adaptation that does enough interesting stuff. We can actually talk about this issue to issue. Absolutely. So yes, today we are covering Star Wars, A New Hope manga number two. Uh, created, drawn, again, exactly how much of this is yeah. like, credits where it's due. We're a little uncertain because information about this book is a little bit harder to track down. Yeah. Uh, even so far as like, is Heiseo Tamaki the listed penciler of this adaptation a single person we still we just don't, don't know, know about that we just don't know and yeah the actual like uh writing of it i guess is just one would argue is just the george lucas text but somebody still has to like condense that and put i don't know man the, i mean we we were just before we were recording this you were struggling to even find when this came out yeah, I have established that this was released the the second like because like a lot of manga they're released in like small uh like right. booklets essentially yeah. and eventually it would be released as a larger omnibus. But this well, number are, two you know, was originally published August twelfth, nineteen ninety eight. There you go, because this is you know on, on at least on the digital version that we're looking at on the app seventy eight pages of content. So you know that's 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 a, that's a good amount. That's a lot of bang for your buck right there. Right, and it. Plays into some stuff we talked about last time in terms of, like, why manga isn't traditionally colored the way American comics are. Right. Because it is released in these larger chunks and a lot more quickly, usually on a weekly basis. This one wasn't, but... Yeah. I mean, like uh, I said, that is, that is a thing in terms of being sort of an outsider to it that can be daunting is, good lord, yeah. there's so much of this. <laughs> yes. But, like, we talked about last time as well. Like, you can blaze through it kind of at a similar pace... As, like, more traditional American comics as we sure. view them, because the art asks less of you to, right. like, read, and you can kind of, like, flip through it a little bit more effectively. There is a, I don't know, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to sound as demeaning as this, but there is sort of a quantity over quality thing. Not to say the quality is bad, but, the well, the the thing we've talked about is one of the reasons they do have 
groups of people doing it is they are the the manga process is not as meant to be a singular representation of an artist's work it really is meant to be and all things towards the product itself and sometimes it is don't at me about all the like guy who makes one piece guy who makes dragon ball like but at this point even dragon ball like dragon ball super is made by a team akira toriyama like helps supervise and stuff well, but he's not doing I mean, everything anymore the way this is made it kind of has to be right i mean otherwise you just yeah. wouldn't be one person couldn't produce this amount of content like this it would be it's at least not at any kind of publishable quality well they can but sometimes that leads to like indefinite delays in the way we've seen with like one piece and sometimes with like naruto back in the day where it's like even... you would you would go like months at a time without releases and we've seen that even in american superhero comics where people get totally angry. and it does get frustrating uh speaking of americans we do have a few additional credits on this book we've got tom orsikowski doing or... the letters it's oars baby doing the strange, like, triple translation, because we have the original script from George Lucas that was translated to Japanese, and then yeah. Orzakowski translating it back to English. Crazy, man. What a process that would be. I would love to talk. To <laughs> uh, you know, somebody who we know who does that is Diana Schutz. And I think we talked oh, about... Oh, yeah, that's true. She does that for, like, Black Sad. Yeah, she does a lot of the, the French uh, and European comics that way, and just what that process is like is fascinating. Uh, totally. So, uh, and we've got David Land as our editor, and we've got Adam Warren back on the art for our cover. Um, yes. Yeah. And yeah, we are in number two. Uh, we talked last time briefly at the end of the episode about the, kind of the pacing of breaking up the original Star Wars movie. And I think this book has done a fantastic job of finding the act breaks in Star Wars. Because last well, time we ended with. Yeah. Luke finding Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru dead, the implied interrogation and torture of Princess Leia aboard the Death Star, and like kind of going into our our uh, valley of darkness in the hero's journey at their darkest moments. Yeah, that was a great place to end it on, and it sort of involved like the the combining of a couple things, like really making it clear that the Princess Leia interrogation and the Luke's discovery of his dead parental figures are happening simultaneously is a really mm -hmm. smart way to go like, okay, here's where in the trajectory of the story. Uh, it, it also, not introducing Han Solo, which we'll talk about this cover in just a second, um, allows it to really just be that so we're not overcomplicating. Because I think we've talked about that too, that some of them have been like, we got to get Han Solo in there, so we're going to kind of fudge this. Um, when we the One of our big complaints about the 97 special edition adaptation was it felt like they were really going pretty slow early and then had to speed up down the street. Or no, they, no, they sorry, they, the opposite. They sped through a lot and then they had to really slow down so you get like that trench run goes on forever. Yeah. The, and to the point where like the back two issues split up the trench run. That's yeah. insane. Right. That's the thing where it's almost like it just didn't feel very well thought out. It felt like they were just sort of doing it all together. And then it's it's like when you start to write happy birth and then the day starts to rip <laughs> off because you, you haven't measured for how much a letter is taking up space. Right. That's what it and felt like. Obviously, this book has the added benefit of having a much larger page count. So yeah. yes. they already have an advantage where that's concerned. Yes. No, there's a lot working in this book's favor. Like we talked about the totally. thing that it is just by going to manga, the fact that that forces you to create, you know, harder, more unique takes on the character design 
automatically mm. makes it more interesting because I'm not. I, I all of a sudden the comparison to the movie is more about echoing it than trying to make it photorealistic. Well, let's let's get to the cover and we can get right to one of those interpretations here's in the our... form of here's here's Han Solo and Chewie. And Han is swaggering, baby. Look at that swagger. <laughs> and this is Adam Warren, so this isn't exactly the art we'll be getting in the book, but it's a pretty about... close approximation. It is, and we've talked about he's leaning, uh, as, as I said last time, more manga than manga with these in, in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Like it is, uh, the the book is is a manga, but it's almost just like, but this is the Americanized manga where it's like this is an American's view of a Japanese art form. I really like this design of Han Solo because I think it leans on the thing that you can maybe kind of lose at face value with Harrison Ford, and that's how much of a scoundrel this guy is. Oh, yeah. Like, it, oh, just, just the design him. elements of them make him look a little bit more threatening, a little bit more uh, like he's got well, a scheme in mind. I think some of that is just the, the relationship we've built with Harrison Ford over the years, that going back... You just kind of go like, I just love this guy, man. Maybe that's just me. I, you know, <laughs> I've, I've, um, I'm on the record as being somewhat of a Ford fan. Um, I have specific panels to point that out and uh, later on as well. Uh, but I we also get our Chewy design here, I which like is actually, I don't think the one on the cover is representative of what we get in the book, though. No, I, I do agree with that, though. I do like the, the design. And some of that is just, I despise the chewy design in the 70s comics so i think everything <laughs> feels refreshing but both of these on the cover have that sort of cartoony vibe where it's like you're really simplifying the, the even just what a person in general looks like that like little things echo these characters in my mind and so i think mm -hmm. by doing that actually in some ways uh, i think we talked about this last week a little bit too you can somehow, in some ways, get to the core of characters much easier because you have to quickly establish them. And I think right. that's kind of what you're talking about with the scoundrel nature of this, too. The way his hair is, the way that he just has a line of a smirk of a mouth, you know? Mm-hmm. Even just the pose. I like the, the he's got the thumb and the belt in his hand sort of uh, in a very gunslingery pose, just hanging over his blaster. It's something you see a lot in anime and manga, but, like, there is this weird trope of people with lines that represent hair on the back of their hands and knuckles are usually a little bit mistrustworthy. It's interesting. Yeah, it adds a, a, a grittiness to them or something like that, right? I don't know. There's mm -hmm. something about... Which is weird because it's not really something you do control, uh, but it does feel unkempt. It's like a representation of, like... Oh, he's a grittier guy. I think it's meant to represent hair, but it kind of adds like, oh, he's got dirty hands in some ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's you know that's a, that is something I like about this whole style is little things can indicate a lot about a character. That's just not just in manga, but in cartooning in general. Yeah, uh, and I love uh, all the. But then, as we've talked about, sort of continuing the background thing, these very much film accurate renderings of the Cantina aliens. We'll get into the cantina scene later in this issue, and I love how lavishly they paint the cantina sequence in terms sure. of how much we get in background. And some of the, uh, let us say, uh, medium additions in terms <laughs> of just like, okay, this is a manga. 
there's gonna be some skimpy alien ladies in this cantina that weren't there in the movie. <laughs> if there weren't, we'd want our money back. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, we'll we'll blaze through a few pages here so we can get through the uh, the opening. The same as last time. There's the same panel of R2 and 3PO to tell you about how they did the adaptation. It's the same mm-hmm. Japanese characters to English of the 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 Star Wars logo and the New Hope title. Uh, but they've also mirrored the panel layouts. So as opposed to the original manga, you where you'd be reading it from right to left, they flipped it so that you can read it more traditionally in English from left to right, which, again, I have my own personal issues with in terms of, like, changing the artist's intention. But I think for a mass market English reading audience I think, uh, is I think, probably a good way to go. Well, and I think when it's something like Star Wars that is going to get to a bigger American audience, that makes more sense than when it is an original thing. Right. Like, right. Uh, anyway, we start with, as always, good Lord, uh, 3PO burning Jawa bodies. <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, yeah, we get our big splash page of the... the we love the Star Wars logo here. What do you think of the character bits in the Star Wars logo here of like scenes that aren't even going to appear in this book? Cuz this is a thing in like anime and manga in terms of just like an opening will give you like tidbits of something that may not even happen for like hours of runtime or reading time. Like everything except for that W with the the Han and Chewie designs with the Big open mouth. Number one, it looks like Han has fangs, and Chewie is in a full-on kids cartoon. <laughs> oh, we'll get to kids cartoon Chewie. He's all over this book later. Yeah, it's true. I, ha- I mean, I, you know, they're they're in general. I really like what they're doing, but there are bits of, and I recognize as we've talked about, some of that is just the comedy translation between cultures uh, yeah. on that stuff. But that is something that we're just like, well, that's a that's a bit broad, isn't it? Uh, Look. Chewie may be, like, listing Totoro word throughout this book, and we'll get into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's definitely on his way there. Oh, yeah, so let, once uh, again, uh, the Bernie of Jawa bodies. Let's talk about it. Yes, let's let's talk about uh, we, a fact that is never really addressed in the movie, and that is that 3PO is shoveling Jawa bodies it's into really, a pyre. And Obi-Wan is just kind of staring off in the distance, almost as if he's going to turn back and go, that's right, throw another one on the pile. <laughs> Top it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Move those bodies faster, boy. I, I do love the the opening shot, I guess. Yeah. It just starts with, remember, we're on Tatooine. It's big and empty and desolate, and this fire would stand out for miles. It's great. It's great. It's very evocative. Uh, it's very, it, it, it is very dark. Uh, and then we go to the next panel, and the very simply, once again, you can talk about just what you can do with the simple lines of this head down traumatized Luke getting out of the land speeder. Something I think this adaptation does a lot better than maybe even the movie is give you a sense of how busted up Luke is about this whole situation. Well, because it, it does something and it's something I wish the other adaptations had played with by turning into panels. There can kind of almost be a, an elongating of a sequence. You can, live in a, a, yeah. a specific beat a little bit longer than a movie that's in motion can really even do. And so yeah. I do think you, you, you see that here. Um, and uh, 3PO briefly stops burning some Jawa bodies. Uh, <laughs> is that Jawa I like, <laughs> I like how we rest on 
Obi-Wan's face after Luke says, I want to become a Jedi like my father. Yeah. Because again, we this adaptation has the retrospective look of just like, but your father yeah. became something monstrous. Right. That even George Lucas didn't know, and I don't care what he says when he made that <laughs> I I don't care. And yeah. if you want to believe that he had the whole thing planned out, I, I'm not going to shatter that illusion except for uh, I am because there's tons of sources and documents that indicate <laughs> he had no idea where the fuck any of this was going. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, we get this big empty shot of Tatooine again, oh, and then we get an even bigger intro and to Mos Eisley here. Well, it really portrays the vastness of Tatooine, right? That, like... Most likely isn't like down the street. It's way yeah. across the planet, you know? It's a long yeah. journey there. This issue is when we start getting into things that were clearly part of a promotional push in the special edition adaptation, whereas here they feel a bit more organic, and that is some of the special edition additions uh are included in this adaptation they are yeah and 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 i think because uh because you're already translating this whole world into this format and this art style it all it, all that everything is already being retranslated so one of the big things that the special edition stuff does is it's just so juxtapositional you're looking at footage done in the 70s versus footage made in the 90s and, and then updated over the years, right? So there's mm -hmm. always a thing about like, well, that CGI creature doesn't fit no matter what. Whereas yeah. here, if everything is already being retranslated, then it all comes in of a piece. But we don't... Something that we harped on in the special edition adaptation is the needless use of transposing those new special edition scenes into the comic in a comic that felt like it was already like abbreviating the and, book and yeah, but but making a point to if you're going to cut this but going like well we got to include the the special edition additions it's it's like right. really putting emphasis doing a full page of those jawas falling off of that huge creature do you know the name of that thing it's not a bantha it's a it's a no my my first in my first instinct is to say Ronto, but I don't know if that's right. That that I I have heard that I know that is a creature in in Star Wars, so that would make sense. Um, but uh, but yeah, like we devoting a whole page to that that no one in their right mind would if that was always there. But it's just like, well, no, we have to put that in because that's a big thing. In yep, the, Ronto that, nailed it. There you go. That makes sense. And here we just get when they pull into Mos Eisley. Here we just get these sort of like uh wavy legs of a thing in motion passing by them. Yeah, no. I, I think this does a good job of abbreviating the Mosisely intro sequence that we get in the special edition by just like having this slow push in from the wide exterior to like really giving us a sense that this is a broad, sprawling hive of scum and villainy that we're yeah. entering while not necessarily wasting any panels on extraneous characters or detail. Right, right, exactly. It, it doesn't it doesn't feel like uh it's just like hey, we're doing the stuff, man. Mhm. Mm uh and and yeah, but it, it's there. It, it it it's 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 clearly looking it's source material is the special edition specifically. Yes. 
Uh, but we do get our, you don't need to see our identification sequence here. Uh, I really do Which love the... Of course, that was, was that the 97 version that just didn't include this? Yeah, we were just like, there's dialogue that indicated that it happened. Amazing. <laughs> it's not an iconic moment in film history by any stretch of the imagination. What are you talking about? Uh-huh. I love the the little rascally look that Obi-Wan's got when he's waving his hand, saying, <laughs> you don't need to see his identification. Well, I do. I mean, I and that, I think that's key in like that is one of the things we like about Obi Wan is even though he is so uh, beaten down by the world, there is always a part of this guy that digs being a Jedi. It's not you know there's been burdens put on him, but there's always a guy that I, I I've always gotten the sense of Obi Wan Kenobi is like this is, this is pretty fucking cool though you know like <laughs> that I can do. you know I can move things with my mind and it's pretty cool. And even that's that's even in the case in the older Guinness interpretation is just like that's right. Like there is that that the 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 old wizard, the Gandalf sort of thing where it's like, oh, yeah. you are a little bit of a scamp, aren't you? <laughs> it's the it's uh, people love Obi Wan's bitchiness, right? Like it is that thing where it's just like Well, and Ewan McGregor's the one who made him caddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has the the great caddy, hello there, when he dropped yeah. that that just the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get Luke's reaction uh, is a little bit overblown again here in uh, the manga version of just like, how the hell did we do that? Oh, what? Yeah, he's a bit of a double take. Yeah, it's 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 very much what I think of as a manga or anime. Uh, uh, that reaction in a Speed Racer cartoon would make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but we very quickly make it to the cantina. Yep. And boy... It's it's what I want to see, because if there's something I want to see done in, like, lavish manga detail, it is the iconic scene where we just get a sense of how deep and weird the Star Wars universe is going to become. Tina's sequence is kind of made for manga in a lot of ways, right? Like, I, it is something I think of large groups uh, of people in uh, in bazaars. I mean, you see that in something like Akira, right, and stuff like that, just sort of the... There, there are so many of the the iconic manga or anime stories are set in these broadly populated, weird future or space worlds. Cowboy Bebop, obviously, as well. I think one of the best examples of that, and one of the anime examples I point to is to like that's had the broadest crossover is Spirited Away, right? Sure. And one of the most like indelibly enchanting bits of that movie is the bathhouse sequence where you just get yeah. this plethora of all these different weird creatures and spirits coming in through the bathhouse. And you can watch that movie a hundred times and you're always finding new little bits and details yeah. in the background. There's, there's a there's a denseness and a richness to the world that these things take place in. Uh, as we talk about, that's one of the reasons why having sort of the studio effect often, uh, you know, the studio, you know, uh, uh, work ethic or whatever is you allows you to create these fully realized worlds that we've been talking about in this too. So backgrounds get as much attention as foregrounds because you have people who can specifically work on backgrounds. Right. And so in this first panel of the cantina, uh, there are a couple familiar faces, but there's a lot of other weirder stuff happening. There's this little blob guy down on the floor that's got all these eyeballs sticking yeah. out of him. Yeah, that is uh, There's Star Fox over on the far left side here. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> nice to see him getting some more work. Um, yeah, I love to see it. Man, why haven't they made an animated Star Fox movie? That seems like such a layup. I, uh, a friend of the show, Michael Lisman and I, uh, studios, we have a very detailed pitch for one. Like, <laughs> we came up with a with a, a really serious outline for one that we are willing to pitch any point. Because it, it, basically, us just being bored and going, it's just sitting there. It is just mm-hmm. sitting there. So yeah. I would love to see that. Um, call us anytime. We're ready to go. Uh, we get to the next page. We get our uh, bartender saying, oh, hey, we don't serve their kind here. Jeez, furious in this. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a lot of subtlety in, in manga. Uh, or there, there, there can frequently be a lack of subtlety. And this guy's like, hey, asshole. <laughs> yeah, you. I really like the use of shading in this where Luke is standing out as like the one person with the whites where everyone else is cast in in grays and blacks. About things you can do in a comic book that you can't do in a film. That stuff is very very good. Uh and and also just the 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 kind of anime nature of him, the big eyes makes him not only is he is he uh, shaded differently, but he's got these. He's literally wide-eyed. He seems like this innocent child in this type mm-hmm. of scum and villainy. You've got the yes, the sexy twins of, you know. I don't remember them in the original Cantina sequence, but I'm either. sure there are some. This feels like a '60s Star Trek thing where Shatner should roll up on these two. Uh, <laughs> my lady's Jim Kirk. Uh, We've got a. Uh, Figrin Dan and the Modal Nodes playing their jizz music off to the side. Of course, you've got to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, well, I love the little like weird alien that's like a tube with teeth on the end, which yep. is totally a thing in the original Cantina sequence. But here, they've got him wearing a jaunty bandana. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, I do like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so just once again, just that we we get a whole page of basically Luke looking around, going like, "This is pretty weird, man." And you really yeah. get that sense because it's just like I've lived, I, I've seen like eight people in my entire <laughs> life, and now right. I'm seeing a whole range of bizarre creatures around me. Yeah, and even going into the next page, we start with the top half of that page, and. I, uh, that expression that Luke has in the th- in the fourth panel here in the middle totally reads as like a kid who is totally overwhelmed by yeah. the setting he finds himself in. And here come our pals. Yeah, here's Ponda Baba and here comes Dr. Evazan. Let us not forget Ponda Baba is the weird looking tarantula guy and Dr. Evazan is the weird scrunch faced guy who's got a death sentence and 12 systems. And what is his doctorate in again? Uh, torture, mostly. Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, he, his character is like actually weirdly expanded upon in the Dr. Afra comics a lot. This and true, actually, yeah. I believe his, like, he's like a rogue surgeon is his whole deal. Kind of adds up. This does feel like a guy doing back alley surgeries. Yeah. It's like, if you need a new spleen on the DL, <laughs> Dr. Evazan's the guy. <laughs> Come to my clinic, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. His, I, his clinic involves a tarp and a look at at the end of the alley. Yeah. <laughs> Which is on the bop. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But of course, immediately just, he doesn't like you. I mean, this guy's voice is so ingrained in my head. I, I don't, don't like you either. Nah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we just came from the movie Rogue One, which is now canon. 
<laughs> always crazy to me. I, I I definitely had that moment in the theater. I was like, hey, and then I went, that eh, doesn't make a lot of sense, but okay. <laughs> Look, they were they were on their way off that planet, thankfully, because it did blow up like oh, hours after I they show up. I wouldn't want anything bad to happen to these lovely gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> I wanted men. I have a death sentence on 12 systems. Little do I, what I'm not telling you is actually for uh, failed alimony payments, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Dr. Evazan also has kids in 12 yeah. systems. Oh, then we're still waiting on the test results, actually. I'm contesting a couple of those. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then here comes Obi-Wan, just as a badass. This is one of the most badass Obi-Wan moments in the whole franchise anyway. Oh, totally. And the way the this comic plays up this moment is one of my favorite things in this issue because we kind of obi-wan coming in with his classic like this little one's not worth it hey, come let me get you something yeah uh, they emphasize a line that is actually in the movie but is sort of overplayed by just how quick everything's moving in that scene and that is the bartender shouting no blasters yeah because well, there's been a lot of murder in this bar let's <laughs> oh come it's... on man I don't and there need, will be more yet. I don't need to give another police statement. All right. Uh, but oh, I, there are no cops in Mos Eisley. Come oh, on. It's a couple of stormtroopers <laughs> rolling in going, what's going on in here? Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but this last panel of Obi-Wan with just the, the, the speed lines and whiz of the light of the lightsaber is so good. It's such an old samurai kind of imagery. One of the only oh, ones I've read extensively is The Lone Wolf and Cub. Um, which has this sort of, once again, the samurai imagery of it. Uh, yeah, you, you want to talk about samurai imagery, though. Let's go to this next page with the double-page spread here. Uh, and it's it's just Obi-Wan going full Zatoichi, like oh. swinging the sword, having moved through two guys. Mm -hmm. There's speed lines going. The sword is drawing. It's got the slight curve to it. His hand down by his hip where a <laughs> a sheath is not. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it, but it's the classic pose, it right? Is, so it is the pose. It is the pose. You, you. That's not immediately what your eye is drawn to. It's just the pose, right? Right. Uh, it's so cool, and the just the wham of the lightsaber. The 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 look on the two of their faces was just like, wait, what's happening now? Yeah, it it really does imply this sudden burst of violence that is the yeah. case there. And then yes, the the look on Luke's face as he looks down. As he not even looks down in this, because in the movie it just you see the arm on the ground. Here we're seeing it in midair coming off of the guy, and we're seeing Doctor Evazan's gun being destroyed in the same stroke. Yeah, uh, and everyone which, yeah. gasping, and just one of the most badass images ever of Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, uh, it's so good! It's like just another <laughs> John. Joke. This comic is really good. It's really good. It it <laughs> it does everything we've been waiting for one of these adaptations to do. Um, but just the way his expression and his pose is just like, just another day. Mm -hmm. I, you, you expect him to say, like, Jedi business, move yeah. along. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he just picks up Luke and it's like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. Actually, I, I, gonna talk the, the immediate transition back to just like, oh, well, and this is Chewbacca. He can help us. I mean, and that is portrayed very, you know. In uh, Guinness's performance in the movie, this just once again it allows it to stretch it out. But all those beats are there in the movie. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, all right, here we get to Chewie. Interesting design on him. Uh, right off the bat, much better fur. 
I think this Chewie actually looks like Chewie. I think this is the best Chewie we've seen so far. I think this first image of his face is a little weird, but they are they're giving but, it more. But it, they his facial structure looks right. He's yeah. got hair in all the right places. Well, that's the thing. He does not have the luxurious lot flowing locks of the seventies comic. My good he, lord. He is no longer Sasquatch from Alpha Flight. No. Good God, man. I just that's the that's the worst design in that comic. Uh man. Uh so anyway, yeah. This is Chewbacca, he's first mate, uh, on a ship that might suit our needs. Uh I like this little addition here on the bottom of this page where we have Evazan and Panda Baba actually being the ones to inform the stormtroopers outside. Seth. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he cut off my friend's arm, man. It was awful. Uh, and then here we get, oh, the introduction of Han Solo first, just with the shadowy hand, and then the big reveal of like, yeah, I'm the coolest guy ever. Fast ship. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, iconic, of course. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah, it's great. All the poses on this, all the facial expressions definitely tell you. Yeah, the the you talk about like the thing when you're talking about the hair in his hands, the shadows around his eyes as his hair is falling here as they're talking. Once again, as opposed to the cherubic face we've talked about of Luke Skywalker, definitely implies that like, oh, he may not be a lot older, but he's he's just lived life, man. There's there's yeah. that's around this guy in general. He's seen shit. He's done shit. I like this next page where we get the Han leaning in moment. We've got the shadows around his eyes with that smirk. Yeah. Um, and the really the heightening of his like uh, heated interaction with Luke about like, we could buy our own ship for that. Yeah. But who's going to fly it, kid? You? I do think uh, he's a little uh, infuriated at that. Maybe Han, I feel like is a little, little cooler headed in, in my situation. Yeah. But once again, that's that's just getting to everything is 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 a little bit more uh, exaggerated in this, right? Exactly, uh, to the point where you you mentioned earlier the like thing with Han's mouth where it looks like he has a fang yeah. or something going on. Yeah, that can be a thing you see in manga and anime a lot. Is when like someone's like really heightening their emotions and they're like feeling the evil rise in them or hate or some kind of negative emotion, like uh, um. Getting giving them fangs of some kind or another is something you'll see crop up every once in a right. while. Okay, I mean, that, I, I I follow, and like I said, I you know none of the these are all very minor quibbles, especially compared to because I generally like what they're doing. I do really like when we go to this next panel, and still just the like that Obi Wan is just like, all right, you boys, knock it off. <laughs> oh, come on, everybody. Obi Wan mm -hmm. dad mode is great. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, and then we get the great moment. of of uh, when the stormtroopers walk by and Han and Chu are like, what? What's up? I love the middle panel here that is just Luke and Obi-Wan reacting to the stormtroopers showing up. Luke is getting all abashed and like lowering himself, whereas Obi-Wan's just like, oh, right, these assholes. Eh. Oh, I know these jackasses. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, the Han Solo, like, you gonna make a deal out of this? And Chewie's like, what's up? <laughs> I love that Han pose so much it's when he's great. staring them, the stormtroopers. It is sort of him like prom officer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's very cool. That's see, that's what I'm talking about with like that's a cool Han Solo. Uh, we go to the next page. Looks like he's got a bit of an elf ear here to me. Yeah, and that might just be like the way the hair falls or yeah. like a penciling issue. But um, 
He has like slightly impish ears, I would say, from a, a lot of angles. And I think that just adds to the kind of like angular, like well, impishness of him. Well, and I do love the I do love the eyebrows on him, the very slanted, dark pointed. So he's always kind of doing a like, yeah, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you know. Once again, always sort of scheming. Um, let's get to uh, yeah, Luke Gantzel's speeder, and now let's get to Greedo. Oh, yeah. I love the Greedo bit in this book. Um, we don't have Greedo speaking hoodies. We just have him speaking English. I think that's probably easier. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, it, it doesn't do the thing. And this just may just be that manga doesn't do this. But, like, probably in a in a Western comic, you would do the brackets and, and put the dot right. in the little note that it is in hoodies. Translated. But we've also seen the movie and just know. So, for yeah. sake here. Yeah, so Greedo yeah. comes over being his typical jackass self. Uh, I love the interaction here where the book actually serves to highlight that Han puts his feet up on the table here when he's talking to Greedo expressly to like get his gun in a position where yes. he can shoot him. And this this kind of lands where now the spe- the current cut of Star Wars has kind of ultimately landed, which is like a, they both shoot at the same time. Kind of, though this manages to avoid the weird neck jerk of yeah. Han dodging the blaster Always bolt. the thing that has never worked, ever. Because uh, <laughs> I, I love the drawing of it. Then, you know, it, it feels like Han is like a half second ahead on pulling the trigger, right? And so yeah. it's like, by the time Greedo has, the, the muscle has actually, you know, compressed on the trigger, he's already dead. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, I like giving Greedo actual expressions in this book yeah. with this middle panel where Greedo is just like, I've been looking forward to killing you. McClunky. McClunky. Um, uh, but because it's not a rubber mask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh, his body, the way they do this with the speed lines and the flop, this guy is dead with a capital D. I love it. And just the expression on Han's face when he chucks the bartender the coin, being like, "Sorry about the mess." And yeah, and the total Mario <laughs> character of a uh, of the the barkeep. <laughs> yeah, I like his little mustache. Although, you know what I like about it is I really like the uh, the onomatopoeia of snatch when he grabs the coin. Mm, mm-hmm. Very fun. Now the that last panel, I actually marveled at it for a little while because, like, wow, it's implying a lot with a couple of speed lines and some sound effects, and I know exactly what it's trying to convey. Yeah, like I said something I do really respect about the manga form is what it can do. It, it does a lot with a little. There's a real minimalism to it that conveys so much, and it, it it in in the same way like classic cartooning is. You look at like. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 Eisner and stuff like that, right? Like, some in some ways, sometimes being very simple can actually convey a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, especially we, you know, we have grown up in such a time of comic books. You know, Neil Adams, Frank Miller, sort of all post that stuff, where it's like detail has really become the mark of art quality. But I have a lot of respect for just sort of classical cartooning, which is what I really think that is right there. Sure, no, and I think that is where the draw to art styles in inspired by manga or directly, like, a part of the manga ecosystem comes from. Because for every, like, oh, um, shit, who is the artist on Kingdom Come? Um, oh, uh, Alex Ross. 
for every Alex Ross that's like hyper detailed to the point where like you see wrinkles on clothing, oh, where, like, where, where, it's, where you're almost like, is this a photograph? Yeah. 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 Uh, that has its own appeal, but there is something like more real than real that you can get in those classic cartooning ways sure. and like how people can deform and it can express emotion in kind of greater effect uh, yeah. in that style. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and it's it's the the great thing about I think where we are in comics now is that you can get all of that. You know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of detail, we get yeah. our uh, cut back over to the Death Star where we've got Tarkin and Vader, and God, Vader just looks so cool in this book. <laughs> Once again, I do love the way, and it reminds me of sort of the way like Sienkiewicz does like Kingpin and stuff, where his body just becomes a black hole. Mm-hmm. Like he just disappears yeah. into just this black figure. He's a head on top of this never-ending darkness. And then, yeah, just how douchey every Tarkin expression is. He's always and again, we've talked about how like this is not a one-to-one for Cushing. They're not even really trying necessarily, which well, I respect. It is similar with Guinness, right? Where it's sort of like yeah, yeah they're they're like getting to something beneath the performance more than trying to actually make their like. Uh, face look exact or anything like that and yeah. uh but also he similar to han always kind of having that like mischievous smirk this guy always has this like sociopathic delight and like mm, we're about to kill a whole bunch of people <laughs> set course for alderaan nothing bad will happen there <laughs> i think it's time we demonstrated the full power of this station yeah, it is just like oh, I'm about to commit genocide at a level never before seen, and I am loving it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we cut back to Tatooine on this page. Though, way, we get a bunch of stormtroopers. That this has done so much better than, and I'm just going to keep bashing on it because it. <laughs> our show, we can do whatever the hell we want, but like yeah. the cross cutting of stuff is so much better thought out in this. Yeah, it's, it's got it's, actual like pacing and. It was like, so clumsy. That was yeah. something we really, we really complained about in that uh, '97 special edition adaptation. Was we're just like, why have we cut away to this and then cut back here? I never have any of that questioning. The flow of this is so natural and so propulsive. Yeah, like, look, we get this whole sequence here on this double page spread of like, uh oh, the Empire's coming, and then we cut back to Tatooine where, uh oh, the Empire's coming. That's it's right. thematic. Yes. yes, and there are things like that where it's like, I don't even know off the top of my head if these are the cuts that are in the movie, but they so make sense in this. It's not about the yeah. direct translation. It is about telling the same story, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. And what works for that. So yeah, so we're back to we're back on Tatooine. We're selling the speeder. Uh, there's a mysterious figure watching them. Yeah, uh, Goggles Longnose guy. I He has a name. I've completely forgotten what it is. What is his name? His first name, Goggles. Last name, Longnose. Goggles Longnose. <laughs> <laughs> of, the, of the Tatooine Longnoses. Uh, and here we get our biggest, usually considered the most egregious addition to A New Hope. Uh, when cool. we cut I mean, to somebody shouting, Solo! It's still extraneous, like just from an yeah. objective storytelling standpoint. But I will say the only thing about it is like you want to see what manga Jabba looks like. And boy, do you. And also the way they hide him. They, they literally hide him behind word bubbles at one point here, which is cool. Yeah, this whole first page, you don't actually see what Jabba looks like. And 
they're having this whole exchange about like, look, I've got a new charter. It's not good for business. You dumped my stash. And then it is only on this next double page spread that we get this huge reveal of Jabba the Hutt as he is compared to other characters around him. Once again, it's like the Vader thing where it's like, this is way bigger than he is in the movie. Especially the Jabba that that they inserted in New Hope is is considerably smaller than the one we see in Return of the Jedi. Uh, Yeah. But here he's just this blob of a being. He's just so, so gross, so huge. And it really works when you have the comparison to Han Solo who's just like, yeah, whatever, you fucking slug thing. <laughs> but this scene doesn't include the thing in the movie where he's like actively stepping on Jabba in a sequence that in the movie, like with what we know about Jabba the Hutt, Solo would be a dead man if he did that. It wouldn't go that far. It's it's a because it, the whole thing so and is always the case. Solo's always fronting, right? Han Solo is always a guy who is acting much more confident and cool headed than he really is. And so that's yeah. what it is. So it's a front. So him waving him off and not looking at him and stuff like that. But yeah, also much like the dodging of the it looks like shit when he steps on him too. It doesn't look right, right. at all. Um mm-hmm. and that's only because of course he wasn't a slug guy, he was just a guy when they shot the scene. Right, exactly. Because they, did, yeah. they didn't know what Jabba the Hutt was in that movie. Because yeah. Lucas didn't know what he was planning to do. <laughs> I heard quite the opposite. <laughs> hmm. uh, but I love uh, This it. also lets us highlight something that they did include in the special edition, but I think is done much better here okay. and is actually given emphasis. You're talking about the Fet Man. I'm talking about the Fet Man. <laughs> yeah, we get a whole page devoted to Han and Boba Fett staring each other down. And it is great because you don't get that because obviously they didn't have that footage of Harrison Ford. So you just have Boba Fett there because like, hey, Boba Fett. But here that if that 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 would be awesome in the movie if that was the case. And you're already starting in movie one like you're the you're my rival. You're the guy we have. We, we have beef between the. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's like they don't say it, but their expression is just like Boba solo. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. They're, no, and that they're each looking over their shoulder at each other. They're not making direct eye contact. Yeah, you can imagine like, okay, Jabba's pulling out of this place. He's got all of his minions in tow, and Boba Fett's the last one in the in the line, and just like making visor to eye contact with I, Solo on his way what out. I imagine every studio meeting that Vin Diesel on the rocker in looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, never gonna actually talk to each other because they can't. Their egos won't let them anymore. That's, this is the sixth one where they have the conversation entirely looking over each other's shoulders. Because <laughs> they literally weren't on set with each other. No, they were still on set with each other at that point. They say they've squashed the beef. We'll see. Beefs have been okay. squashed. If he shows up in X two or whatever it's called. Uh, Fast United, I think, is yeah. that next one movie. <laughs> well, they're already they've already announced the next Hobbs movie, so sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, but all right. So anyway, let's go the, the uh, beautifully uh, beautiful rendering of the spaceport. Uh, yeah, you get a weird expression from Chewie here. I'm not quite sure what the what expression's supposed to be about this. Do? Yeah, I don't even know that. That is a weird moment where he's just like, huh, and then nothing. I don't know. Is he reacting to Goggles' long nose? I don't know, but Goggles Long Nose gives us, give us a, a nice little yabbit on the yabbit. bottom here. Uh, uh, and oh boy, does the Falcon look cool. Yeah. Say what you will about the other adaptations. 
The Falcon never looks this good in any other <laughs> comic we've read so far. One of the things that's cool about the Falcon is obviously like the, the basic shape of it looks cool, but this gets all the details of how real the Falcon always felt. And that was always something about Star Wars, right? Was that everything felt very tactile. And, uh, you know, so you get all the rivets and piping and everything here. It just so much more time has been spent on this. Where I think a lot of other people kind of shorthand the falcon because we all know the shape and basically yeah. they go you know it's the millennium falcon we don't need to go too detailed on this because people can kind of they're kind of putting on you to go like you know what it looks like in the movie here's the basic shape of it but here this is so lovingly put together you can just stare at each part of it and how oh yeah look at that that's gorgeous right uh, and obviously like in the version we're reading right here, the cockpit's on the wrong side, but that is because the panel layout has been mirrored. Right. Yeah. It's the same reason why Han's blaster is in his on his on his left hip in some places. Yeah, You're exactly. Like, Han's not left hand. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes. Uh, and you just have to accept that. That's where you're at the weirdest thing is when it messes with iconography you're familiar with. Correct. Yeah. Um, but, you know, th that's why they put that thing in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have this exchange between Luke and, it's, uh, it's, Solo about like, it's, it's ever the thing in these that, uh, it, that, that this is a piece of junk to them when to us, it's the coolest fucking thing you've ever seen in your life. And I, uh, not to keep lording this over, but, uh, I have been in the presence of the real thing in, in the <laughs> middle of Disneyland. And I mean, it, it was tantamount to like a religious experience. It was, sure. there. it was real in a way where you're just like, I knew it. I knew it was out there somewhere, and there, right. there it is. Um, all <laughs> glory. Um, it is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in my life. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, so, but that's always the thing. That's always kind of the the thing in the movies. People go like, "Oh God, what is this piece of crap?" You came that you came here in that here yeah. braver than I thought. Yeah, exactly. But to <laughs> me, it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yeah, and then this is great. Yeah. All this blaster fire and stuff on the next panel. Uh, yeah, we got the stormtroopers race, racing in. Stop that ship! On the next page after that, we get this whole page of just like them coming under fire, stormtroopers firing them, firing back, getting onto the but ship. Thing like we we all know that moment Han Solo's running up the the uh, the gangplank into the ship, and he's firing back, but just the wall of blaster fire coming at him in this. That is oh, yeah. much bigger than anything that's in the movie, based on both the budgetary restraints and special effects, and also just uh, the, the visual chaos that would be in live action. But here, sure. it's so much more expressionistic, and it's awesome. This is another one that I would want to put up as a print, is Han Solo turning and firing and all the blaster bolts going by him. And the blast them! Uh, we got Han running through the corridors. We got uh, Chewie scrambling at the controls. We got stormtroopers continuing to fire. All this action uh, is great. It's all so well conveyed. I love the page following that where we have the, the split panels of all the different characters having their reaction faces as they're scrambling to get the Millennium Falcon out of the, very, the, the docking bay here. Very Speed Racer. Very, very speed racer to the point where everyone has speed lines behind them as they're reacting. The yeah. oh, 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 yeah, which I will say that was <laughs> as a kid, that was the only thing that not even knowing what anime was or anything, just I just love speed racer and its whole vibe, obviously. Um, sure, this is definitely where we start leaning into the Chewy is a lovable cartoon character yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, wolf yeah. companion. <laughs> 
That's what he should. That's the sound he should be making. He's got a Scooby Doo face going on from here on out, basically. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And he still looks like Chewie, but just like his eyes are way bigger. He's a cartoon. As a result, he's a cartoon Wookie. There's no question. Like he's still, yeah. still, re- he's still more recognizable as Chewie than the Chewie in the '70s Marvel book. But he is very much a cartoon sidekick. This is Hanna Barbera's Chewbacca Adventures. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that oh, show. Of course we would. And then just <laughs> what a glorious shot of the Falcon taking off. Oh, uh, yeah, Everything and devoting this wide spread to... That is the thing that this does as well, and that I think also, of course, huge benefit of having the larger page count is when they stop for these moments like a film to just go, look at this. This yeah. is cool. Yeah. Isn't this cool? Because they know that the people reading this think this is cool, so they want them to... You're turning the pages, especially coming off of that big action beat, you're whipping through going, oh, they're blasting, they're running, and then it's just like, oh, the awe of the Falcon taking off, though. Suddenly we go out to the big wide frame, and it's like, there it goes, man. You can hear that verm sound in the back of your head that, that the Falcon even, makes. They don't even bother to put in a sound effect, because we know what it sounds like. They just like... And but just the explosion of energy coming off of the engine, and just like it, it, it really more than anything we've seen conveys the speed of this thing. Yeah. And of course, as we cut to inside, and everyone is being hurled to the back of the ship as it takes off. <laughs> I like Luke just like grabbing on to the the space <laughs> chessboard there, and there it goes. <laughs> the, the little smile on Obi-Wan's face gets me. The little, like, cat smile he's got. Because it's sort of just like, hey, we're doing this again. It's like he's, <laughs> he's, he's a guy, he's, he's, he's getting his groove back. He's back on the adventure. He's back in the game, man. Mm-hmm. You love it. You love to see it. Uh, next page. It's all speed lines, baby. We're all speed lines all the time. Speed lines everywhere. Speed line, speed line, speed line. Um, yeah, and there they go, and we're taking off. I don't even know. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just that exchange. It was like, look, we got to figure this out. We got uh, Star Destroyers coming in. We got uh, TIE Fighters coming in. I love on the following page when uh, they're trying to show off, like, how maneuverable the Falcon is, and he's got that weird, like, corkscrew speed lines. I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, implying the, the ship spinning and flipping, which, you know is is so much the coolness of the is how uh you know the mobility of the falcon and how maneuverable it is that's the word i was like mm-hmm. uh traveling through hyperspace isn't like dustin crops boy and then when we come to the big star destroyer on the next page i love the booms of the star destroyers like opening fire and just having their like broadside cannons basically yeah, yeah. and all of it i mean just once again it's just it like I said, I don't have much to add beyond just the appreciation of how they're displaying this. And, and, and you can really feel like the trouble they're in, the overwhelming force that's coming at them. Um, yeah. If you're reading along with us on your own way, uh, that's you can kind of get the sense of what we're talking about. Or if you want to join us over on YouTube and yeah. read the comic along with us, you can get a sense for this. Like it's. It's that thing we've always struggled with as podcasters who talk about comic books a lot. It's just like at a certain point, the art speaks for itself and yeah, our yeah, words like, fail us. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool image. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, but I do like all these pages that, I mean, the thing I like about this whole section is the build up to the, the, the raising the stakes, the star destroyer, the huge fire and the building up to, we're waiting to get to, to jump to hyperspeed. 
and uh or to light speed and and we're gonna and then when we blast off it's so satisfying with a giant zow! yeah which is and very we get the stars speed. blurring around us yeah. i love the, the 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 choices on the sound effects are so much better because it's always going to be cheesy like you're never gonna so just like embrace the zap and zow of it but the the Absolutely. way it's you know, glommed it, you know, the way they put it into the art, like I said, it gives it this very Flash Gordon-y feel, which Lucas would certainly approve of being that this was all based on his love of Flash Gordon. Totally. 100%. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I love a good sound effect and to lean into the just like, look, sometimes stuff just sounds like a, a Vri or a Zal. Yeah. yeah. Not everything's a crackathum. I love a good crackathum. Oh, a crackathum. I mean, that, that that is that is the sound of Thor to me. But um, sure. But I mean, but I think that's the other thing too. Is sometimes I think they're overthinking the sound effects in the seventies, mm-hmm. where they're going like, yeah. no, it's like a kirk prow kupow zipow," you know, something like that. It's like, no, it's just like a zap. <laughs> sometimes I, you can just write zap. Yeah, you know, it really is sort of the thing where it's almost just like. Oh, we don't want to just put zap or blast or pow or something like that. It's like, no, yeah, you kind of just need that's all you need. Um, so here they take off. Uh, all right. So here is where we get into. We talked last issue about the addition of that brief sequence that this book added where we saw the stormtroopers rolling up on the Jawas. Yeah. This does a, a similar thing on a much more devastating level. Do the kind of thing where it's like if i think lucas had the ability i think he would have put this in here because it is something force awakens does that i think is kind of cool uh yeah and, and you know i am one to ever compliment jj from star wars but um <laughs> but uh but we cut here to people reacting on a city street somewhere looking up at a new star appearing in the sky back it up to rogue one does this very well when you see yeah, the death true. star appear in the sky and it's because boating, and you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and because that's what this is: is we have cut to a shot of the point of view of Alderaan as the Death Star appears I, in its orbit. It is it, of anything in this. It is the thing I most wish was actually in the movie because it mm. really makes it clear what is what the movie does make clear. But this really makes it visceral the monstrousness of what they're about to do, the pure evil of the obliteration of an entire planet and the terror yeah. of the people there. I mean, we get, it's really Guinness who has to sell that to us with the, it's like a million souls were crying out and then was suddenly silent, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, that's that, you know, and luckily you have one of the greatest actors who ever lived saying that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hot take Guinness. Pretty good actor. Um, yeah, not bad. Yeah, not bad. Uh, and then, yeah, when you see, uh, and it's just the forced perspective of it, but the the next, the two-panel spread that is the huge Death Star, and then because it's at a distance, a tiny little planet. And you're yeah. like, oh, shit. Doom is coming. Like, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, um, love it. When we get when we get back inside the Death Star, we're back with Princess Leia and Tarkin. They have their exchange here. Um, Tarkin, of course, just being such an asshole here. We get a lot more emotionality out of Leia uh, in this sequence than I think Carrie Fisher delivered in the movie, and I think that is more of a heightening of the manga thing here. Yeah, absolutely, uh, because I mean, because I do think the way because the way Carrie Fisher plays it in the movie is is much like we we're talking about with Han. Trying to sort of be like, well, I'm not scared of you. Fuck you, man. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say we have, they haven't uh, the likeness we've talked about that they don't go hard on Cushing. They have really captured the physicality, the Nazi esque rigidness that he plays in his Tarkin in the movie. That he's ever totally. ramrod straight spine, arms behind him. You never see extreme gestures from Tarkin. He's always just this controlled, polished soldier. Yeah, and I think the this comic definitely captures that a lot. Yeah, um, which is we the, have this the banality of evil that I love in Tarkin. We we have this exchange here where he's like, "Look, you got to name a target, or else I'm going to blow up Alderaan. Where's the rebel base?" Um, um, they did. They do make sure to include my favorite Tarkin line, which is "Charming to the last." <laughs> uh, finally, we have Leia saying "Dantooine." They're on Dantooine, and then oh, that that again, Cushing just crushes this line. Yeah, uh, but it's like, it's there you see, Lord Vader, she can be reasonable. Continue with the operation. You may fire one. Ready? The hand, yeah. The little like. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, another hot take. Peter Cushing, very good actor. <laughs> I mean, I, I, just just to step out of the comic a little bit for a moment. I don't know if that's appreciated. Not just those guys were always going to deliver, but how smart it was of Lucas to go like, if I'm going to have a bunch of like young hot unknowns in these parts, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to in key places put. Truly amazing, like classically trained dudes who will ground this whole thing, and that is still yeah. something I think a lot of sci-fi does. Where it's like when Patrick Stewart's talking about Romulan, suddenly you're going like, "Well, shit, we got to do something about these Rom." Like it, t- it, it does something <laughs> to uh, really ground the what could be very silly, and you see that yeah. a lot in bad sci-fi, and you see this particularly in movies following Star Wars where they're trying to get at Star Wars, and you're like, why are they silly? And it's not just that like the special effects are bad. It's just like, well, because no one's taking this seriously. Uh, well, and even if the actors are taking it seriously, very few of them are capable of delivering these objectively silly lines with the amount of gravitas yeah. that people like Cushing and... Uh, well, and 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 and, and yeah. other people can, yeah. Yeah, particularly Cushing, obviously. That was his whole career. Yeah. He spent an entire career talking about silly shit. And <laughs> I, I don't know if, if you go... When you play Abraham Van Helsing as many times as he did. Yes. Uh, well, and the thing, that, the thing that's cool about Cushing, one of the reasons why we love him so much over on Meet the Monsters, and I don't know if we've, I don't know if we've actually announced it. I guess I'll announce it here. Uh, we're doing our Vincent Price series right now. When we finish Vincent mm. Price, we will be doing our Peter Cushing miniseries. Get to do all of his uh, Sherlock's. Yes, all the stuff that basically isn't the the Dracula's and Frankenstein's. Um, nice, but uh, but one of the things is uh, as as we've also come to learn about that biography, that guy was a huge fucking nerd. That dude loved comics and sci fi, and so it wasn't he loved doing that shit. So when he takes it seriously, it's not out of like whatever this pays the bills. He loved genre shit, so that yeah. just always endears me more to him. But he also made it clear. In the shots where you couldn't see his boots, he had his nice comfy slippers on while making Star Wars. And don't <laughs> worry, they took nice care of him. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then, yes, the, also the incredibly evil, you're far too trusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get this good shot of Tarkin being just evil as all get out just, on this next just page. that like, oh, millions of people are about to die, and it's going to mm-hmm. rule. 
And then something yeah. I've noticed about the interpretation of Tarkin here, as opposed to like a lot of the other characters in the book who have those like big anime eyes, Tarkins are much smaller. His wow. pupils are like really tiny and dilated all of the time. It's how um it's it's how the Joker's often drawn. His eyes are freaking yeah. done like that too. There's it 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 is definitely it reads as evil. It reads as psychosis, but. Also, in that it's all just the lines and wrinkles and smirks. It's never a cackling madman. It's just a like, watch this. Yeah. On watch this, we do this next couple well, of pages are the triumph of this issue. Well, the firing of the Death Star is so iconic. Um, and we've talked about the fact that this has been left out of, I believe, both of the other adaptations. Yeah. The, 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 the full, like, the way you see it. Because I, that's also something I love about when people talk about Star Wars feeling so real and so grounded, this is a key answer to that. It's like, if this is a giant planet-killing super weapon, it's not just going to fire. There's going to be a buildup. It has to charge. It has to fire this beam through a thing into another thing. You're pulling levers. The sound, of course, is amazing. The movie, the you know like that whole thing how it just like builds up how all these different yeah. lasers have to meet at a point to make an even bigger laser the thing you get you're, you're like well i guess if you had a, a weapon that destroyed a planet it would have to kind of function like that uh there's <laughs> stuff like that that's so for 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 a, a, a series that is you know that has magic in it and is so fantastical i do like the attention to detail in the technological aspects of it that's very very right. cool and then Boy, when Alderaan, you do get one more shot of the mass people on Alderaan as the beam hits them. Yeah, you get just this crowd of people before there's this huge flash of white. And you gotta think that you're, the reason the manga version of this specifically shows off a detail like this is just culturally resonating with yep. the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? Oh, they're the only like, country that have been subject to a nuclear attack exactly so, yeah like they're the only country in the world that has been the victims of a weapon of mass destruction even like uh, how we could even consider something approaching yep. the death star right exactly uh and so yeah i do feel like that's always you see that in a lot of japanese art across the board I and mean, we always talk about the original godzilla movie and stuff like that but yeah. it is interesting when you find how it finds its way into stuff and you've i've never seen the destruction of alderaan portrayed like this the people the explosion that we that we go uh we go the little planet in the sky the people on the planet the destruction and then we're going out from it right so we see the people we see now we're on the surface of the planet as this exploding then we're pulling out and we're seeing it consuming the planet the impact shot of the beam hitting Alderaan, this double page spread here, is such just like a tremendous piece of apocalyptic art. Well, because you don't ever really see the, you just see a beam hit Alderaan and it explodes the movie. Yeah. Here we're seeing it actually like, no, it hits here first, spreads out, and it's burning the whole planet around it. Like, it's just, it's a level of and it's horror some... we don't get from it, you know? On a smaller scale, we see this level of devastation in Rogue One when the beam hits uh, Jeddah and Scarif yeah. to a certain extent. Well, that's um, where we, we, we'd never seen it, you know, we've seen it destroy planets, but the idea that it's that it's hyper-focused on a place like that, the full force of just, uh, I forgot what the, exactly the thing is, it's, a, it's at like, was it single turret fire? Single react, a, a single reactor. Fire. It's not uh, all, because it's not yeah. all the beams coming together, but you just see, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, that's how it is. It's like, that's one one of these attacking it, and it is 
devastated in that movie and beautifully portrayed. Um, and then, yeah, the whole thing, and and it is uh, the 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 reaction shot of the guy behind Tarkin being like, Jesus Christ, I'm part of the Empire, but fuck, man. And Tarkin's just like, yeah, that worked exactly the way I wanted it to, baby. Yeah. And we see some tears slipping through Leia's hands as she's, like, clasping her, and then uh, covering her face. The sick enjoyment of Tarkin recognizing that and being like, that's right. Right. Oh, like, man. This teach you a lesson to... And then mess with the empire. An amazing two-page spread, or this isn't a two-page spread, but just this whole page panel of Tarkin looking over his shoulder at crying Leia, like, <laughs> "Not so smart now, are we?" Ugh, it's just yeah. like ultimate evil and ultimate yeah. devastation emotionally from Leia's face. Absolutely, it's so good. And then, of course, we go back out to just the obliterated planet. Yeah, Hanging one last out. shot of just like mostly white with the black shadow of the Death Star streaking across it. It's so effective. And when you talk about the structure of this, we come to the 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 reducing explosion and the way they visually connect this to Obi-Wan feeling it. Yeah. The next page as we like we see the settling explosion and then immediately cut to Obi-Wan suffering the shock. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's very effective panel layout, and just like, oh, they're telling a good Star Wars story. Excellent. Yeah, and visual storytelling. Like I said, it's just, <laughs> we're not used to this level of like, uh, and some of that is, of course, living in the 70s, not known as a great time for like uh, the pacing of a comic book. Like, we're still sure. kind of in the era where it's very disposable, so you're not mm -hmm. really thinking about like, okay, here's how the thoughts of a reader are going from page to page. Right. Whereas here, this is so well done. Um, well, and it does stand in such stark contrast to the special edition adaptation, where it's like, no, 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 we were that was a comic made in the era where you should have known better. And that's a, and, <laughs> and it's so just going like, yeah, but whatever. You saw them, you know how all this fits together. Like it's it was oh, it's so cynically made that comic. Uh, yeah. But then I like this moment when we go to the next page, and there's sort of just the shared expression between. Luke and Obi-Wan, and then Han Solo going like, yeah, that's right, I out I outran those suckers. <laughs> you almost want him to turn and go, who died, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I like the like deflated expression here on Han, which is like, don't everybody thank me at once. <laughs> Good lord, Jesus, alright. Uh, here's the 3D chess thing that I think was, was the, I believe this was also left out of the 97 adaptation. Yeah, I like all of Chewie's reaction shots here. Again, it's very much cartoon Chewie yeah, like yeah, yeah. reacting to being beaten by a droid. You've just got to... Ex I, I mean, I've just accepted that that's going to be what their Chewie is. They've made him a bigger cartoony character, and that's uh, fitting into this context. I'm, I'm, I'm not glomming the live-action Chewie onto him. Sure, but it also it retroactively works on the more lovable Chewie that we have come to like embrace as the series went on. Oh, totally. I mean, I definitely like... I like this Chewie more than the other Chewies that have really kind of blown it, I feel like, on uh, on in any way endearing us to him. Because he's all... The 70s comic, he's all over the place. In the 70s comic, have we literally had a cover for him trying to kill every other main character? I think that's the thing. Really, <laughs> I think this scene 
the writers and, and artists of that comic really seized upon the idea that he'll rip your arms off and it's just like oh got it he's super dangerous and you're like yeah, that's right really not how we as fans view chewy interesting mm -hmm. that's what they've taken it from this guy this it's like having a wild animal on the ship you know uh right uh next page we get uh luke doing some training him getting hit by the the remote here yeah uh, well, very, I, very thrill, much more thrilling than it's very casual in the movie. Yeah, here it's a lot more thrilling, and it ends a lot more thrillingly as well. I love uh, Han's reaction is a little bit more verbose about uh, Luke getting his ass yeah, shot. A little bit more verbose. He's openly cackling. <laughs> <laughs> you dumb fucking kid! Hope uh, on ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side. One of my absolute favorite Han Solo lines. I love the sort of samurai-esque, like, okay, focus. And, like, they're really leaning into the, the swordsman aspect yeah. of using a lightsaber and connecting with the Force. Well, this is an interesting thing where, once again, it's like the translation we're talking about, where it's, it's George Lucas being influenced by Japanese his history and sort of, more more realistically, pop culture depictions from Japanese yeah. works. And now mm -hmm. we're seeing that influence on an American movie now being adapted by Japanese people who are reflecting an American version of their own pop culture. And it's this Ouroboros of influence that's very fascinating to see. Absolutely. Uh, so when we get this uh, last page, when he finally hits the, the remote coming back in, and it is this way more dramatic, like, whack, as he's bringing the sword down in one clean stroke. This is another example of having the 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 page space to be able to do this in a longer thing. Is like no twenty two page uh, issue adaptation of this would ever put this kind of emphasis on this. But this has the time to do it, and once again adds to putting you in the feelings of the scene. I also like the addition here that it's something that we really don't get in the movie of Han's reaction to Luke actually managing to yeah. hit the the remote coming at him yeah it's 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 an interesting thing because it's like the i call it luck in the movie i don't know we don't ever i didn't i don't read anything from harrison ford as being impressed he's still writing it off in the movie right like it's still like right whatever he just got lucky here they're making it seem like han's kind of going like i think i saw something and then is writing it off harrison ford seems completely unimpressed legitimately through the scene so that's an interesting right uh, you talk about sort of the additions of whoever the author or authors of this are. It is interesting. Right. The idea that Han was like actually impressed by what happened, but then is immediately fronting again and putting up that veneer of like, oh, cool. Like, ah, I call it. It's a totally valid read. It's just, it's just the thing they've entirely invented and it works. I, yeah, I, totally. I, I, yeah, those are some of the most interesting things in this where it's sort of like the creative license of the uh, adaptation to go like, well, this is how I'm choosing to read this, even though there's not, mm -hmm. that's not expressly made clear in the movie. Um, and I do like that they've spent the time here to like create this moment of genuine connection between Luke and Obi-Wan that okay. like is there in the movie on text, but I think you live in it more in this adaptation, which I like. You definitely do. Uh, and let's go back to the scary guys. Yeah, scary dies. They find out uh, Dantooine is deserted. She lied to us. Uh, she would never betray the rebellion consciously. Uh, Tarkin's got his big pouty face on. Big pouty face. <laughs> and the pose on Vader is almost just like, what are you? I told you, man. I said. I said it. 
Did you hear when I said that? Because I was right. I told you. Uh, I love the the Vader here. Uh, like, just every time they draw Vader in close-up, it looks cool. It really does. The the Vader in black and white is really awesome, always. Cause, right? Cause yeah. He, he is all black. So then you get just the shadings of the light uh, coming off of his helmet. I do think that this, and I think some of that has to do with the black and white and the shading of this, like, you really get the sense of the metallic nature of his helmet in this interpretation so much better than we've seen. And I mean, of course he's basically, he's pretty green or blue or, you know, he's very, uh, flatly colored in the seventies book. Yeah. Well, and this book really also gives you the more intimidating questioning nature of like, what even the fuck is Vader? He's very at this monstrous point? active, like it, it, to an inhuman level. Even the way that they're drawing, like, the shape of his body doesn't read as a man. Yeah. Well, because at least in the movie, he's never stock still. So you can still, like, read little fidgeting motions as human. Whereas in this, in a, like, in the last page where we have him just standing in a room, for all we know, he is still as a statue. And there is this inhumanity to that. And the way his cape flows and his body descends into complete darkness, he almost has this, like, specter kind of... Form when he's near Tarkin. Uh, totally, it's it's really cool. So the we come out of uh, light speed, uh, and uh oh, double page spread in the wreckage of Alderaan. Yeah, classic. It ain't here. It's been totally blown away. Yeah, uh, we get the reactions there. I love uh, just speeding through this a little bit because it is. Basically, the dialogue you know from the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a ship out here. It couldn't have followed us. It needs to go towards something. What I really like here is on this next page where we have the emphasis on the That's No Moon line. Mm-hmm. Where we have yeah. the Millennium Falcon zooming towards what they think is a small moon. Uh, and then just the folk, the hard cut in on Obi-Wan's eyes realiz- and his reaction. Playing the realization of it before he says it. Letting us sit in that moment. He's like... Oh God, that's it's yeah. a space station, and then mm-hmm. the cut to the very Nazi clicking of the boots. <laughs> if it wasn't clear, everyone, the Empire are space Nazis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Here we comes, get uh, here comes them being like, "We've captured a freighter." Uh, and like at this point, the Empire is saying we've captured a freighter back with our heroes. They're not even aware that they're captured yet, but the Empire already knows that they've got them in their web. Yeah, this is another thing. I'd have to go back and look at the exact, but the cross cutting of this, I think, is mostly an invention of this. Yes, it absolutely the, is. The, the uh, we cuttings of it. It's very cool. We don't get the Vader Tarkin interaction until after they've been drawn in by yeah. the tractor beam. Yeah, so I like that where it's like they're they're building up this pacing. It is really just more modern pacing. It's just, yeah. even Star Wars was kind of ahead of it. We always talk about the idea that the first movie plays a little slower than you remember it. And that's just because it's a movie from the 70s. And, yeah. and, and that movie was lightning pace then. Like, that movie was so... But, like, because 70s movies, it is always a thing I talk about as somebody who's way into, like, classic cinema and stuff. It's like, you've got to put yourself in the right mindset. I, I kind of understand where people are coming out when they go old movies are boring. It's like, well, you've got to click it. You've got to like vibe with them, right? And totally. Star Wars is like the first step in the modern. Jaws, Star Wars, Rocky are kind of the first movies to start having more modern pacing, but they are still of their time. So 
yeah, you go back and watch something like even something that is considered a perennial classic, like Sound of Music yeah. or like Casablanca, yeah. like those movies by comparison feel they, like they, sludge. They, yeah, they drag compared to modern standards, but at the time they were considered rip roaring, you know, like they were. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's the Bond movies, right? I love the Connery Bond yeah. movies, but you're like, he's just walking through this airport for five minutes. But in the 60s, people were just going, look how fucking cool this guy. Look at him go, man. Also, they shot that in a real airport? Well, wow. There, there was, <laughs> the, particularly the Bond movies, there was the travel log idea of just like, Jamaica? The idea. No, no, hold on. Don't do anything. I want to look at this ocean, man. Wow. As as a film goer in the Midwest, I've literally never seen an ocean. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> you like the... There's a there's a whole and I'm sure somebody has whole scholarly essay to be written about how the world was introduced to Americans a lot through those James Bond movies. Totally. Uh, okay, we get uh, them getting drawn in by the tractor beam. I love the emphasis on what the tractor beam technology looks like in this. Yeah, that's something we haven't really seen. It's 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 kind of an no. force really in the movie. I also love the close up on uh, the the. Uh, controls of the Falcon trying to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chewie got a big cartoon reaction and it's like, oh no! Ruh-roh, Rolo! Because everybody is kind of cartoonish, but they're all sort of like, uh, they're all sort of doing like intense, ah, ah, and then Chewie's like, Ooh, <laughs> Chewie always kind of stands out from the bunch. He he just yeah. gets cartoonified uh, take in this. Um, yeah, we we know they're in a tractor beam. Uh, it's pulling us in. How are we going to get out of this? I don't know. R2's having a real bad time. <laughs> R2 appears to be on fire and crying. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's basically their situation right now. Uh, I like uh, uh, Luke helping 3PO up because he's fallen and he can't get up. Um, <laughs> he hit his... 3PO, very turtle-like in that way. <laughs> Help! I'm on my back! Uh... <laughs> And then and the whole frustration of Han punching the thing, going, there's nothing I can do, man. They got us. Mm-hmm. There's the whole, there, there's a constant sound effect of this, like, groan sound effect that it makes every time we approach the Death Star. Yeah. And it is that, like, low, weird noise that the Death Star makes in that movie that you don't even really clock until they put it, it in right. uh, sound effect form. There's, there is this monstrous nature to it of this, like, growling approaching you know uh, evil doer coming at you that is just this force of doom that is the death star well and that's why i want to talk about this next page spread because if you're not familiar with some of the like manga tropes this page could be indecipherable to some people yeah i mean it's it's certainly the boldest swing for me uh like so in terms of what we've got here is the Death Star, right? Yeah. And, like, you can see the lines and dots that are more traditionally shown on the Death Star in terms of its, like, exterior as a sphere. But you've got this, like, layered uh, artistic flair on it of all of these, like, dark swirls and shadows and shapes on it. And this is a very, like, traditional manga flourish, I guess, for just, like, the presence of evil. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I, 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 I get what they're going for. It's just, it's, it's, it's the most actively expressionistic, like in a classic art sense. Yeah, but you see this sort of like swirl and presentation and like 
art feature, I guess, a lot in the same way that you'd see, like, I don't even know how to compare it to something in American comics, really. Uh, except for, like, in the same way that speed lines are a universally accepted, like, method of showing that something's going real fast or motion is happening. This is, like, something you see more in manga and uh, Japanese animation that just expresses, like, if we need to get across that the thing you're moving towards is bad. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's, why, that's what I'm looking at is, like, there's almost this obfuscation of it, right, to the point of I'm being pulled in the tractor beam ever closer to this thing so it's almost like warping in the perception of it right it's just right. like you're 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 coming at a thing as it's in motion and it's kind of creating this like oh my god because then it does cut back out to and what i always love the scale of just how small the falcon is as it's being pulled into this massive you know yeah, yeah. Is the- no i was i was just pointing that out because it is a motif that comes up in a and lot more manga that you might not be familiar with. I, I'm not familiar with it as a motif. I, you know, like I said, I just, I, I, my thought was just like, wow, that is a, <laughs> that is a, a very expressionistic decision. But uh, as you're saying, yeah. this is something that is uh, done quite often. Hmm. Often enough that I recognized it for right. what it was. Right. Um, and yeah, I do love the, the wide shot of the Falcon being drawn into the Death Star. Oh, cool. Um, Always so cool. Obi-Wan being like, but there are alternatives to fighting. And the fact that when, from that point on, we like kind of lose track of our main characters because this is where we're about to get our second act break as the Falcon is drawn into the the hangar bay here. We have all the stormtroopers rolling in. um, Everyone rushing around. We get this great double page spread of Vader coming into the hangar bay. His cape furling out like that is so awesome. Just the barest hint of his gauntleted fist in the yeah. darkness around him. Coming yeah. for them, man. The, once again, the 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 feelings of like foreboding doom in this comic are so good. Mm-hmm. No, and Vader coming in, and we're we're gonna close on this last page where he's being informed that it looks like there's nobody aboard. It looks like some uh some escape pods of jettisoned and we get our last line here of our like midway point of oh. the movie is vader saying i sense something a presence i have not felt since hmm. great great line to go out on you can totally imagine the executive producer george lucas you know fade out on that. yeah i i'm curious what you think of like that being our midway point our act break I think that, for i think they much like the last the the last issue they've been very smart to to find these cliffhangery moments where if if you're just imagining this as a story and not an adaptation of a movie we're all so radically familiar with that it is sort of like that's like a oh no how are they gonna get out of this mm-hmm. like that really yeah. works that that would be like i gotta i gotta click play on the next episode or whatever right but it's not necessarily where you or I would have called, like, okay, if you're going to split up A New Hope, where are our breaks? Well, I, and I know we did that in episodes past, but, at like, this particular moment well, is not one I would have picked. We talked about four is kind of an, a four parts is an awkward number for yeah. the story, right? Because we think of stories in three acts, generally. So mm-hmm. even when you go from three to six, that makes more sense, because you're like, okay, so now you're splitting each three-act thing in half. Okay, well, that kind of makes sense, right? 
but four is a weird amount of acts in a story. So they so far found two very interesting places to find natural sort of uh, act breaks or at least sort of cliffhangery situations where the the stakes have been raised, the tables have been turned, we're in some kind of new setting. So it is like, mm-hmm. oh no, it is making it Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's death is a real distinct shift in the story. Now, yep. the heroes captured by the Empire is another great shift or reversal in the story. So, yeah. very smart. Very, very smart on, on how to st- structure it. This seems like, there, once again, seems like there's much more thought to it. It's not <laughs> like... The other one just feels like, yeah, this feels about like uh, 22 pages of comic would, would just kind of stop right here. Uh, no. Yeah, no. And so far, so good on this adaptation. I'm really excited to get to issues three and four of this book. Uh, again, I've read ahead some. Yeah, we will not be disappointed. I'll put it that way. <laughs> no, and I, I, I trust that. Like at this point, I just think I, I'm, I'm so impressed by this. Just feels so much more, and it's not even just this manga specifically. Although like I said that certainly gives it the most like intriguing. Where you're like, ooh, what's this going to look like? Ooh, what's that going to look like? Um, but it just feels like the makers of this comic have just put so much more thought and time into it than particularly that 97 version that really felt very slapdash and just like, I don't know, we got to get this out. This is a promotional thing. Like, the only level of quality I would accept that as if, like, well, that was literally packaged with the VHS set. You'd be like, great, there's a free promotional thing that I can never think about again. Or if they handed it to you at the theater yeah. on your way through the door. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> There you go. No, sure. exactly. Yeah. Um, so that, that. But yeah, that 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 was issue number two of Star Wars: A New Hope manga. We'll be covering issue three next week and four the week after. That's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, probably, uh, yeah. You want to if you want to uh, get even more content from us and help support the show. The best way to do that is uh, to go to our Podbean patron page, which is patron.podbean.com/slash/punchup. There you can get cool exclusive bonus content. Uh, from Gregoni and myself, as well as from our other shows, including Material Components, your uh, live play uh, role playing show. I always want to say D and D, but it's not actually D and D. Just say D and D. That you, everyone knows what you're talking about. Everybody the, knows what I'm talking about. I just want. I it's just the band aids of tabletop RPGs. It's the band aids of tabletop RPGs. I just don't want people to tune in and go, "Where are the dungeons and or dragons?" Um, there are both, just not in ways you'd think. Oh, there you go. Uh, there, there's that. There's the action shelf. Uh, where we review B action movies, and there's Campbell and Jones Meet the Monsters, where we are continuing, much like this, to track the nature of Star Wars comics history. We're tracking the the history of monster movies. So, uh, yeah, subscribe to all of those. You can get those uh, on any of your podcatching software, or those and, are also all on YouTube. And I mentioned it earlier, but yeah, YouTube's another great place where you can partake in all of this. If you're just listening to this, I highly recommend going to check out the YouTube version where you can see our beautiful, charming faces and read the comic along with us to see the gorgeous art that we're talking about. If you don't have the physical copies in front of you and the YouTube version, we are always displaying a digital version of that art as we're commenting on it. Enjoy the show however you want. Readers along. Yeah. Yeah, Enjoy the show however you want, but I definitely would say that we this is designed as a video show in its uh, optimal form. Absolutely. And if you're already with us on YouTube, look, like, comment, and subscribe. All those things really help us out. Ring comment, let us know in the... Uh, 
ring the bell. Yeah, that way you can stay up to date on all of our new releases for everything over at the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. And uh, let us know in the comments below, uh, what is, uh, of the comic book adaptations of A New Hope, uh, what are the ones that, like, what are your likes and dislikes where some of these are concerned? Because, like, yeah, we're slathering and, like, drooling over this manga adaptation, but it might not be for everybody. So yeah. what are your preferences? Hey, let us know. What are you looking for out of a comic book adaptation of a movie? Because I find the whole thing to be very fascinating absolutely so uh yeah that's i think gonna wrap up this week's episode though gregoni i think it will indeed and uh i have been mike gregoni i'm john campbell and as always may the panel be with you 